brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Some of these categories were voted in by the people who support Evangelical Dark Web. And I gotta say... We've done some snap polls on these items before the recent days for the final polls, and you guys completely disregarded the earlier polls results and just said, nah, I'm feeling different today. So it's going to lead to some shocking results in my mind, but we have best teacher. I want to hear your nomination. All right. So I went with a friend of the channel, Dr. Jared Moore. For his uh, book on concu- or on I guess, sex and sex and theology and making sex, the lust of the flesh, lust of the flesh, and making concupiscence a in vogue term again, and obviously he took on the debate with uh, Doug Wilson and he started, you know, kind of made made a big name for himself this year. So I, I do think he he wait earned, he debated Doug Wilson this year or yes that was January I think wow. So yeah, it has it been a, like long such year. a long time ago and he won that debate too. So I, I do think as far as best teacher goes, the guy that's talking about concupiscence and trying to, you know, bring us back to the true, I guess, understanding of, of sin. I think that deserves a top spot for best teacher. All right. Um, wow. That was a good nomination. Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. Andrew Isker author of the Boniface option. He also defeated uh doug wilson in a debate uh, so i guess they both have that in common you know what if it's not envy i guess is the quote that became a meme i actually loved his book uh because it's very practical it's a basically uh i wouldn't want to say it's a sequel to stephen wolf's book but in terms of more practical understanding i i gave it a very good review at evangelical dark web for sure um i know you didn't like his first book on christian nationalism very much which he co-authored with Andrew Torba. But this book I found was very practical. There's only one chapter that I found that I thought was wanting. You know, I wanted more out of that. And I I will say I've softened my, I guess, reflections on his first book. I mean, I do like the notion. I I might wish he called it Christian nationalism and the parallel economy, but I mean, I do am more, a lot more sympathetic to the parallel economy argument as far as you know if you just build 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 eventually the system will collapse and you can take over man my most nervousness my biggest hesitation on that is what the you know whole dollar is part of the collapse you know how am i going to sell things if no one has money and purchasing power to buy or do i just close up operations with low overhead and stuff you know thoughts that are on my mind about that uh i think this is andrew isker's year 
No, no, I got to go with Jared Moore, though. All right, put in the chat who you want to give that award to. I do want to pull up worst teacher because I think worst teacher is Andy Stanley. Yeah, we're we're in agreement there. So I mean, Andy this Stanley was his gets year. worst teacher. Uh, and the the reasons are obvious. He doubled down on his support for homosexuality. He did a conference at his church that was promoting homosexuality in the church. Clearly, he's the worst teacher of the year. He stood out above all the others this year. Uh, last year, I remember it being a harder competition, but this year, I didn't last I year, have Rick a, Warren. I don't even have a dishonorable mention this year. It's just Andy Stanley. I, I think he clearly earned it. So, uh, without chat interference, you know what? Maybe I'm going to defer to you on a technical sense. Jared Moore's controversial teaching on concupiscence. And it's controversial because he stirs up a lot on social media. But at the same time, Andrew Isker is also a bigger platform. His book probably sold more copies. I don't have numbers or anything, but I, based on size, I, I got to give it to Andrew Isker. So I'm going to overrule you on that one, but he will get a honorable mention at, at, at the runner up for that. Um, in terms of scope of impact, I, I think we're going to give that to him. Um, so church hero. Now, I had my thoughts on how this would go, but the people decided this question. I don't agree with the people's results and democracy. I don't agree with how that played out. Um, but I would vote it in the event of a tiebreaker. There was no tiebreaker. And the Church Hero of the Year, we had three nominations put to a vote. Calvin Robertson, who won the snap poll. So he comes in at the number one seed. And then we had Mike Law Jr. for the Mike Law Amendment in the Southern Baptist Convention. And then we had Michael Cassidy, who took down the statue uh, in the Iowa State Capitol. And Michael Cassidy decisively won the popular vote of the people who support Evangelical Dark Web. So your reaction to their vote? I mean, I had Calvin Robinson written down pretty much for the entire year because I think he's like the face of the, I guess, the face of the dissident church that's fighting in England. And obviously he's in that Anglican. He's like a deacon in the Anglican or Church of England. I think he's, I a, which... I think he's uh, upgraded his title. Okay. Uh, he's no longer a deacon. He's gotten promoted to father, I think or whatever FR I think is the acronym, but I think he's a priest now, but he is the, the face and the guy that's going to have probably a more long, long-term impact than a Cassidy. Though he I also think... had a stint on great Britain news that, you know, ended because he wouldn't want to, he didn't want to cancel a dude for making a, you know, I guess I forget what it was like a slut shaming comment, which was pretty based. Um, so, I honestly would vote for Calvin Robinson personally, but the people decided Michael Cassidy. And again, Michael Cassidy is the example of church hero that is more populous and you know more people can follow that example than they probably can a Calvin Robinson. So who's Michael more the Cassidy, intellectual hero? Michael Cassidy wins church hero of the year. It was something decisive. very late. In yes, it was decisive. He got the majority. It wasn't a plurality either. It was a majority, which I was shocked by. Mike Law came in second. 
which I'm like, what? I just put that in there because he was in there the first time. But yeah, Calvin Robinson didn't get the love. So you hate to see that, but it is, that's the rules. I put that up to the people. Um, Church villain. Now, I got to be real. I did not actually, I should have put this up for a poll, but I did not. No, no, no. And I have a, okay, who you got? James, James Lindsay as church so, villain of the year. We're letting an atheist decide theology. And at the end of the day, we're trusting in someone that hates Christians and Christianity more than he, you know, hates wokeness. Because at the end of the day, he just wants 2015, you know, abortion up until birth and gay marriage. Gay marriage. And women in the workplace controlling things. <laughs> so he just basically wants to revert the clock back. He's also more. woke on gender. We did yes. that video. He he's woke on gender. He does not believe that gender and sex are the same thing. Which so, you know he's taking is, the, by definition woke on gender. And he's taking the you know the gender spectrum, which is basically the contribution of John Money, who was a sadist. So the fact uh, that he has influence in the church makes him a villain and not enough people are willing to call him out or do call him out per se. So my list is teetering between James Lindsay, Rick Warren, and Michael O'Fallon. Now, Michael O'Fallon is more of an, uh, you know, behind the curtains type of guy. Rick Warren is the villain that got bested, but was he the best villain? Not of this year. This wasn't like I said, year. he went out with a wheeze, not a bang. Yeah, this isn't the emperor going down. Like, down he was like, man, he's he's struggling to breathe up there. Type of you know, low energy, high anger. There's just nothing there anymore. He, old man yelling at cloud, um, energy. And I think you're right. James Lindsay was also on my list of nominations. I just didn't decide on one. And I think James Lindsay gets it. So if you you think James Lindsay should get it, and I think that he's one of the people that should get it. I think he has a clear best case. Um, this is his year. So let it make it so. James Lindsay, church villain of the and year. Way too platformed in even like conservative media. Obviously, he got to speak at a pastor's conference for TPUSA was, and was speaking at their America Fest, I think. So, I mean, his influence on the right is. And he's also, I believe, now on the advisory board of Moms for Liberty which is a very scandaled operation right now because, you know, their founder loves to be a swinger. So this is not someone that's on the decline. Yeah, so he, he got his way in there. Um, and his, you know, company, New, uh, New Founding, is bankrolled by Michael O'Fallon, who founded it, actually, not James Lindsay. So, or sorry, is it New Discourses, not New Founding. New Discourses. Duh. New Founding's a, one of the good guys. Um, New Discourses is James Lindsay's organization that was founded by Michael O'Fallon. Um, so, uh, best church? I really didn't have one, like a single church that stood out. I chose Mid Vermont Christian School. I mean, it was founded by a church. I don't know if that, that counts as our loophole, but I said them because they took on the state of Vermont regarding uh, children or youth sports and let's be honest sacrificing women's basketball is not a big sacrifice yet too many in the church are not willing to forego even a you know a student's basketball game do mid to, vermont what church uh mid no mid mid vermont christian school that's the best church i mean 
I'm sure they do chapel services. But the idea that this school took on the state of Vermont, they're probably going to succeed in their lawsuit because they got kicked out of all sports with all sports and even athletic competitions or academic competitions. Even for male-on-male sports. Well, even something like a debate club, they got kicked out of for taking a stand on the gender issue. So the fact that they did that and were willing to sacrifice what many even you know Christian schools around the country aren't willing to sacrifice or even Christian colleges or so-called Christian colleges. I mean, they set the example that, yeah, if you're not willing to sacrifice something that is in the grand scheme of things trivial, like women's sports, then you're not willing to actually fight. And it's funny because so much of this issue is being framed as we must save women's sports. It is the end all be all. It's the highest good in society type of rhetoric. And that's certainly, you know, the rhetoric you hear from uh, Nikki Haley's like, this is the women's rights issue of our day. It's like, oh, so woke. But you're actually saying it's the opposite. It's so trivial. We should be, you know, willing to sacrifice it for the yeah, greater it's literally Yeah, it's literally a chess piece we can sacrifice. Hey, if you're willing to take this out, that's fine. We'll and, and you're right. If we want to reverse, you know, reverse the decline of uh, of civilization or reverse the slippery slope in our favor, then this is the chess piece to do. That's a chess piece that's sacrifice. Grand that opening sacrifice. Uh, pawn to E5 or whatever. Um, so I, I don't know how to do the technical chess beat, like you're but you're moving it two places to advance. I mean, your you're literally and open your move. It's like playing chicken. This is one we can clearly sacrifice. Yeah. And I think you're right. Um, worst church. This was put up to a vote and I was also surprised by the results here. I mean, so I- the nominees actually, I, I, I really want to read the article that I, I wrote on this, but the nominees, because I, I was pretty uh, creative with this one. So, worst church earlier this year, um, we did a snap poll on this question. Now it is the official poll to determine the winner. North Co- Point Community Church handily won the snap poll, but Saddleback Church, the defending champs, and the perennial tra- transformation church want a rematch. But in comes McLean, McLean Bible Church which is making a last-minute push to reclaim the title that they won in the inaugural EVA Awards in 2021. So guess who won that one? I mean, I have a different option. Oh. I think it trumps the. Uh, I think it trumps what the people say. And I had Freedom Church of Vera Beach with their fast times and shirtless pastor. Uh, he, he wears he, no shoes, not no shirt, actually. So let me just check in on the results for sure. Because this I, is the if this is the Tinder pastor, I mean the Tinder pastor. So should, should have I a voted. Right on I church. wanted North Point Community Church to win. I originally had them down. McLean Bible Church won. They got a majority, actually, and I think this is recency bias. But McLean Bible Church has reclaimed their title of worst church of the year. Well, they're a collapse that's coming because that's the whole, you know, golden. They won in 2021 when all these lawsuits and stuff started, and now they've won it again. I mean, that video that I published earlier on Christmas Eve of all times, 
is one of the top is like the second highest video of the year on the channel. I mean, we don't get a whole lot of super viral content here, but um, we get a lot of consistent numbers on Evangelical Dark Web. But that video did the numbers. Um, but anyway, uh, McLean Bible Church has come out of nowhere and they've made a last minute push to regain their title worst church um that is a comeback story because they were not in consideration a few months ago but they have obviously the collapse that you know was talked about i guess two years ago when they won that's continued and oh, obviously i think that overrides freedom church that is a small church that already faces much of its decline earlier true but but I want it's to also us... just—it's just not big enough to also be the worst church. And what they did isn't bad enough either. I don't what? think what uh, what's his face did was worse than you know David Platt or Rick Warren. And with David Andy Platt Stanley. on likely on his way out, or at least in that divorce process per se, if you want to call it a divorce process, he's got to give sixty days notice. Yes. I believe is the rule. and obviously he's got a documentary probably coming out in Q1 of next year, which I that's going to be lit because they're going to be just using discovery documents. So that's going to be there's going to be a lot of good stuff in there. So yeah, he's got a you know a nice he's he's on the guillotine. So we got some of the more pop culture ish topics. I mean, we we had a lot of the superlatives out of the way. But most overrated is, uh, I don't think you can top my most overrated, but we also might have the same most overrated because I think it's very obvious. You go first. Hi, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, yes. Okay. I originally originally had obvious. She is, you know, I'm a millennial, but I love, you know, hard rock and metal music. And imagine being told that the Beatles are the greatest band of all time. And then you ask, you know, what's the song that justifies the Beatles being the most, the greatest band of all time? Like, what's their best song that would justify this lofty label? And it's like, uh, you don't really get a clear answer on that. Like, what's the band that justifies their prowess, or the song that justifies their prowess? And Taylor Swift, at least you can name some hits. I, or at least I could name some hits that would contribute to her success. But man, is she just overrated? I mean, the, not, the time person of the year did it for me. Like, let's be real. It, it's a weird phenomenon because she's not hot. So it's not like she's Britney Spears exuding sexuality. Uh, and she's a complete downgrade for Kel- Travis Kelsey um, in terms of hypergamy and stuff like that. And he's just doing the reverse of that. Um, it's a complete. Uh, it. She's not all that talented on songwriting and much of her songs about people being mean to her, even in her good old days, but her music's increasingly demonic. It's anti-Christian. I mean, really, uh, I mean, she's a, she's a woman that's, you know, going to hit the wall. What is the appeal? And here is the appeal. She is and speaks for liberal white women who want to be single through their thirties. Yeah. That's her appeal. Hit the wall. That is why she's astroturfed immensely. And Kanye West, what did you do? Why did you have to interrupt her? And I'm going to let you finish. Why do you have to do that, Kanye? Uh, you, why do you make her famous like that? 
I'm just kidding. That's not why she's famous. But it's certainly, you certainly got to wonder. Uh, Charles, telling the truth here, she's moderately attractive at best, which is, again, why is she famous? It's not because of her music. It's because of her brand as and because of her greed. Let's if you you know look at her practices, it's like she she greedy. She has so many trademarks on very trivial phrases that are in common use. Like even like the letter T, I think, is uh trademarked or swift. It's like oh, come on, that ain't gonna hold. Um, but you like very petty levels of greed and stuff like that. So that's why she's a billionaire actually. Um, so most underrated. So this one, I had Arne McIntyre, who's a contributor over at the blaze. I think he's probably the most underrated, especially in Christian circles. Cause we don't necessarily consider him a Christian, I guess, voice or a Christian um, commentator, but he is the guy that heightens the intellectual dialogue and can discuss political theory that is very useful for Christians. I mean, I think of a lot of the G3 types would actually listen to Aaron McIntyre. They might actually know a thing or two about politics, how power works, and basic political theory. No, they would call him a Christian nationalist. Even though, <laughs> Even yeah. though I don't think he accepts the label. No, he's oh. probably more like a John Harris in that lane. Yeah, which... I don't really get what term he's going to come up with that's superior, but you know. But yeah, I mean, me, he, but... talent wise and intelligence wise, he has like the Rush Limbaugh talent and intelligence, probably maybe a little higher on because he's an intellectual, but he is. He's a history we, teacher. Yes. Or former. Former history teacher, but yes, like that's his background. And that, you got, you love to see something like that. Uh, he talked about how he had to teach, you know, he had to the amount of effort that he had to put in to teach kids that, you know, America didn't invent slavery and stuff like that. So he had to fight a lot of this firsthand. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give him that. So Aaron McIntyre wins, uh, most underrated, most underreported. So I had two things for this. Uh, what did you have? I had the Nigerian Christians being slaughtered. Um, as our most, yeah, I mean, that kind of goes without saying. Uh, yes, I had Nigerian Christians and then I had Armenian Christians. So, one of them's, you know, I think Judge saw maybe someone else made the point that, uh, Nigerian Christians have been having an October 7th every year for like the past 10 years. And he talks in depth about how the Nigerian government basically covers up the extent of the atrocities committed against Christians in Nigeria. And then in Armenia, the Azerbaijani military is ethnically cleansing Armenian Christians from uh, a disputed border territory. The Armenian president is a bit of a wuss because uh, he doesn't want to take action uh, to defend his people. And that might be more underreported simply because no one is, I mean, you'll hear Christians occasionally talk about Nigeria and just stuff in Africa, but no one's talking about anything that happens in the Caucasus. And, you know, who's arming the Azerbaijani military? It's the Israeli government. What? Whoa. So the Israeli government would be 
arming a an ethnic cleansing of a Christian population, get out of town. But yeah, that maybe that's why it's not covered because you would instantly, you know, connect the dots to that. Um, and that goes against a lot of evangelical narratives. Well, that and the fact that they're probably arming them. Is probably. Michael Brown going to write a, you know, you, you got to be, uh, there's no moral ambiguity about what's happening to the Armenian Christians. Would he write an article like that? No. Uh, because it would, you know, go it's back to his homeboy Israel. Well, it's necessary to arm arm the genociders so that you can stop, spy on Iran spy on Iran because Iran's the worst nation in the world apparently. Right. So we must do evil so that good may come is basically that logic. So we both had Nigerian Christians, so I'm gonna give the edge to that because we both thought of it. But perhaps uh yeah, and I guess Sam Riza points out the only people talking about this are lefties. And I, I've been talking about it, but again, it's just not as popular of a topic. I don't think the Biden administration is actually siding with Azerbaijan. I think they're actually siding with the Armenians. Armenians. Yes, but they aren't doing a whole lot. The no. Armenian president is also kind of a wuss. He's bending over for this, in my opinion. Uh, you're in a military alliance with the Russians. How about you invoke that um, if you're serious? Uh, so that's the most uh, Nigerians will win, but obviously maybe this will actually be a tie and they can share the award because both of these stories are worth covering, but uh, we'll see. Uh, most overreported. I said anti-Semitism on college campuses. This is literally the definition of it's not our problem. Those aren't our voters. Like college students at the Ivy Leagues are not voting Republican in 2024. So there's no reason that a politician should stand up for them. There's no reason our congressional representatives should be summoning people to Congress to harass them and get get their uh, I guess sound bites. And again, they're not going to vote for us. They're not our people. And the, you know, the certain group of people that are being harassed are also the people that are the boosters for these colleges. And they're the ones that were had no problem funding critical race theory in the litany of anti-white. No problem with anti-white yeah. uh, sentiments. They had no problem with anti-white ideologies that were prevalent on these college campuses for decades. But only when they started attacking after October 7th was it a problem. Yeah, it was a bold strategy to assume that you know, blacks, black Americans that are woke would see, you know, Jews as not white. But that's basically the playbook that they did. And, you know, Whoopi Goldberg got in trouble with the view for that because she basically said that Jews were white uh, and therefore it wasn't a race thing and, and stuff like that. So she got in trouble for that, even though she, you know, it's her. You're going to tell a black person that, um this person's not white, which to white people is a different story. I think that's a different conversation among whites, but it's interesting because, you know, what are the, you know, the Palestinians they would call brown people. And it's like, yeah, they're, you create an anti-white ideology in schools. And then you expect the brown people that are oppressed to not turn against anyone who's phenotypically white. And again, the Republicans only cared when it affected Asians. 
they didn't care about white people being denied admission into Harvard or Yale because of, you know, them being white. They only cared when it affected Asians. So and, I have a different hot take, but your take might have beaten it. Oh, the Did last it? the last thing I will say is the um, the college the value of the of the Ivy League education is also very much uh, deflated because they just hand out A's. There, there's a whole scandal about how they pump up their GPAs. Who Ivy Leagues? So they're inflating the GPAs. The value of the education at an Ivy League institution is not what it once was. So mine was uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. He was basically a candidate. You know, he started out as sort of like an Andrew Yang figure, but then it became clear he's not actually running for president. And all of a sudden, when Vivek Ramaswamy's not running for president, he gets a whole lot of media attention. And conservative media astroturfed him to where you could see it in the actual poll numbers. And then where we're at now, he's not going to get double digits in Iowa. He's not going to qualify for the next debate the next debate if i mean his campaign is all but suspended well yeah and he's like i'm gonna drop out of colorado until trump is on the ballot again it's like bro you are you even still in the race uh when that happens so that's a complete virtue signal uh it's a meaningless gesture because he's a meaningless candidate by the time that i mean i have maybe five percent in iowa I mean, I have Vivek for a different category. I don't think he's overreported. I do think he is talented. So I think he, I have him somewhere else. In the and, and that's, but the thing is, he was astroturfed as a candidate. Similar to uh, Larry Elder last year with the California recall, he was astroturfed as a candidate uh, because it fit a message. But all of a sudden, and I think you're right, the anti-Semitism on college campuses is the more prescient uh, example. So I'm going to give it that the award for most overreported. Uh, biggest surprise. I had the rapture, but obviously that didn't happen. Because obviously, because I guess when Israel was attacked, that was the sign of the rapture that was coming. But I, I put that down. It didn't happen. And we're still here. But obviously, like, you know, ca- kind of with October 7th, everyone has their rapture charts out seeing where this. Where this event fits into the end times so that's your biggest surprise Is i mean i put that like down a as biggest... a joke i didn't actually have a, a whole lot but i had that down so for my biggest surprise was jesus revolution the movie i did not think it would be good and it was good yeah i mean obviously... i'm not easy i'm not easy to surprise okay yeah it was a decent film and i really like kelsey Grammer's performance in that like kelsey Grammer is like thumbs up for me and I've never seen him in what he's probably most famous for, but everything else that I've seen him in television wise, um, he's been fantastic. Sideshow Bob, um, the stinky Pete in Toy Story 2, uh, just all these other things that he's done. He's been fantastic. And then he was fantastic in that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that because, I mean, yeah, it was pleasantly good. I mean, obviously, I wasn't surprised when I watched it simply because I'd already you had already seen it before me. So yeah, so the first time I watched it was kind of stressful because I'm like watching it as like the sermon blogger and stuff like that. I'm like, is you know what sort of story is this telling? The second time is like I'm way more relaxed and can kind of look at it. Does have rewatch value? And obviously, yeah, theologically, the stance on baptism is a little 
a little out there. Um, but quite it is the, trying to tell a true story. Yeah. So at the yeah. end of the day, so like the, their theology isn't perfect, um, obviously. Uh, but it does show like Kelsey Grammer's character, who's Chuck Smith, is actually the hero of the story because he limits Lonnie Frisbee's worst tendencies. And you see him put the crackdown on that in the movie. And I'm like, whoa, that was the scene that got me the most, actually, in the entire movie. And I actually love the, uh, you know, the whole theme of father, you know, uh, Greg Laurie's always searching for a father figure. I actually thought that was a, you know, but they didn't say that explicitly. It was just something that the reader would be, intel the viewer would be intelligent enough to figure out was the theme of fatherlessness in his life. And that was basically his struggle um, in uh, finding uh, faith, I guess. I'm going to yeah, say I mean, finding God because that sounds cliche. But I actually thought that this movie was the biggest surprise for me this year. Um, so biggest disappointment. I mean, this one I had the G3. I think it just, I mean, we already kind of had the whole conversation on why that lands the biggest disappointment, but I, it was probably an easy choice for me to have that down. Wow. That completely went over my head. Like, I can't believe I missed that because the next, uh, sorry, not the next, next category, but in a few categories, we're going to have like a complete G3 showdown. But yeah, I, I was pretty undecided between Steven Crowder and Chris Rosebro. But yeah, G3 clearly takes it. Like, wow. That is I mean, Crowder bad. obviously had a horrible beginning to the year. And obviously the, the video dropped, which again, you know, I'm not going to be the guy that says, I'm not going to be the guy that white knights or, or I, judges. I'm not going to judge. 10 years of marriage on three minutes of video. You People don't understand how bad marriages can get. And the positions that a, an unhealthy marriage can get into that doesn't mean that the marriage can't be saved um but yeah you don't want your worst areas in marriage to be you know aired like that uh, and again it was wrong morally wrong for her to do that especially since she's relying on him to subsidize her life in in a post-divorce scenario so you're hurting his income which is also your income but you know that's that's you know being long-term oriented. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of reasons to be disappointed with Crowder, but, but he did do the part is one of, he did do the Tranifesto, so, which was pretty solid on his, he part. didn't make my list. In uh, Chris Roseboro made the list because, you know, he just started caping up for liberal Lutherans. You're all fine with calling out the prosperity people, but when there's, you know, issues in your own backyard, that's when you have issue. That's when you're going to, you know, swallow your whistle as a referee. And the prosperity. You're not prosperity really a Thurman blogger. You're just an establishment. And the prosperity you know, charismatic stuff. Is, controlled is, voice, basically. Is fish in a barrel. Yeah, it is. I mean. And again, a lot of the, and to their credit, a lot of those people might come out of those traditions. Or so not traditions. But. The next category is grifter of the year. So this was put up to the vote, the people. Uh, I, I do want to read my awesome commentary on this because I had the seeds. I had the, in the article, I had them seeded. So grifter of the year. Um, as a perk 
for your support, you get to recap, help recap the year and determine our top grifter. In our snap poll from months ago, number one seed James Lindsay secured his top seed, blowing away the competition. Number two, Pearl Davis is looking for a rematch, and her consistency in grift has been day in and out. Eliza Blue was in the earlier poll, but she has been eliminated due to lack of sustained relevance. So that was the hype going into the poll. The results are in, and Pearl Davis has eked out a victory over James Lindsay. Are you stunned by this upset of the two seed over the one seed in the championship of Grift? I mean, I guess in my, my realm, I mean, none of, none of those names came to mind when I was, I guess, when I was doing it. So, who did? Uh, I had uh, Rona, Romney, McDaniels, and Jenna Ellis. I I just I, I man I, I like the Jenna Ellis thing, but I'm not sure it works as much. I think she kind of had a lot of money going into this year. I don't think she's been a grifter necessarily this year. I think in 2021, that's a different question when you're, you know, misusing a lot, you know, doing very bad legal work for a certain, you know, former president. But yeah, obviously but, Pearl being very vapid and. But she's been very prominent this year. She's day in and day out. She is putting on the grind of grift. Um, and she's pretty open about she's doing this for money and media popularity. And she'll talk about, you know, what is and what isn't husband and wife material. But she doesn't actually aspire to be wife material herself. So there's that. Uh, but Pearl Davis won. So she is the winner and you can't complain game recognize game, right? Uh, biggest bump. I mean, I had Ted Cruz cause of, I guess his love of Uganda, Uganda his love of Uganda, like hatred of Uganda, actually like, hatred. True. But he loves to talk <laughs> about Uganda. He like, he can't get enough. Cause obviously he condemned him on the law that they passed. And then he condemned him later on about something that, that happened with the with Jews and Israelis in Uganda, which I think was featured in the last King of Scotland. You know, that movie with Forrest Whitaker. I think that's, that's what he was talking about, but it's just like, what is up with Ted Cruz in Uganda? Like his obsession. He doesn't care about the American people. He didn't care about, I don't. He voted to uh, fund Ukraine. Right? Yeah. I don't think he cared about Ken Paxton. Um, now, to be fair, he is connected with Chip Roy, who has beef with Ken Paxton. And i that's an inner Texas battle, so I'm not going to really judge Chip Roy for that. I could also say, well, he's also connected with Greg Abbott, too. And There's probably a lot more beef there, but Ken Paxton has been one of the best. Uh, the best. The best state uh, attorney general in the country. I think that's. But, I, but he's a complete non-factor in the Senate. and yeah, He's been pretty comatose, but I feel like he also won last year. I, I had Donald Trump, but that was true for like the first nine months of the year, perhaps, but not very true the last three months of the year. I mean, I just wouldn't have considered him biggest bum as far as this year goes, just because obviously he is winning in my polls. And... 
obviously he has a lot of legal. But work in terms of him. like him, his speaking ability. But it's like, yeah, he's just super old now, and it's really showing. The energy isn't there. He had a lot of performance issues, and I think if he did get up on a debate stage, he would not do well at all. Um, but it has he been bumming it this year? Because I think the grift is as strong as it can be. I do think uh, he his uh, you know whatever's going on with him and his lawyer is. Uh, not just attorney-client privilege, but I, I don't know. This this is a very difficult category. It makes me want to think that maybe we should just go off the wall with some sort of sports reference. Is there like an athlete that's bumming it this year? Uh, I, I This is a harder category for me because I'm not sure Ted Cruz really had expectations going into 2023. So if you got it, something in the chat. I, mean, I thought of the, Ugand- the whole Uganda situation is like, wow. I mean, if you wanted to, I mean, you could you could actually nominate Chris Roseborough in this category in that, you know, you have no problem going after the charismatics and the prosperity types. But when it comes to someone in your own camp, theologically, it's all of a sudden it's a little bit more of a touchy subject. Yeah, that's certainly a fair argument you can make. I think we're going to circle back to Biggest Bum. Uh, I do want to go on to play a hater of the year. Now, this is inspired by the Dave Chappelle skit, if you're familiar with that. Um, The results have been astonishing to me as well. The Pearl Davis, uh, James Lindsay one was the least astonishing, just to be clear. Um, But this one is pretty astonishing. So play ahead of the year. Urban Dictionary defines the term as most simply a playa hater is someone who openly criticizes, purposely attempts to sabotage, or who indulges in any number of other activities slash behaviors aimed at someone they consider a playa, um, or even at playas in general. So that is. Uh, the word, the derogatory aspect of the term comes from the idea that the person who's hating is really only jealous. They play a hate because they wish they could be as successful or alternatively wishes they could somehow have the play to themselves. That's more of a relationship sense, I guess. But yeah, so we had a few nominees for this. It's all G3 all the time here. Nathaniel Jolly earned his top rank as the number one seed going in to this poll because he won the previous snap poll. However, the competition is fierce in mid-Eva. Owen Strand's woke revert saw some hating at the G3 conference. Virgil Walker loves talking smack on Christian Nationalist. Scott Annual lectures on associations despite his history. Josh Bice blocked me on Twitter. But nonetheless, he has nonetheless been quite unhinged this year. Uh, Owen Strand blocked me too, as well. Owen Strand was my choice. So yet, Owen Strand, what did the people say? Uh, spoiler alert, it was in fact Owen Strand. Uh, let me uh, make sure that we are... Let me double check those results. It was Owen Strand. Last I checked, Owen Strand has a decisive majority. 
Um, Ellen Strand is the winner. I would have gone with Nathaniel Jolly, to be clear. Um, but it is Owen Strand that is the player hater of the year. So he was not even in the last poll, I don't think. No, to me, the whole speech at G at the G three conference was what would set him over the <laughs> edge over Jolly or some of the others. Maybe my sales pitch for him was just so good, and I used his picture on the article um, because I don't have a picture of Nathaniel Jolly. To be clear. Um, the last picture I had involved his church in Alaska, which is no longer a thing. So that's that. Um, best actor. I actually did put Vivek Ramaswamy down for this because obviously he came out of nowhere. And honestly, he's very convincing in certain respects because obviously very believable. It's like, you know, he's an actor, but he plays the character so well, but you know, he's an actor. And the things he says, it's like, whoa, it's kind of like, it, you know, it's almost like the guy falling in love with the sex worker. You're probably, you, you know, it's not real, but at the same time, he's saying all the things you want to hear from the person you do want to marry. And that's what Vivek does. He crosses those third rails. He says the things that the candidates, other candidates are too afraid to say. I mean, it's not to the and, benefit of his campaign, but... No, but obviously he speaks to a lot of the dissident right. A lot of those voters that he is appealing to are pretty much Trump supporters anyway. But Right, but he's basically their voice on a stage because Trump won't do events. Um, uh, on that line, you know, Sean Patrick Flannery gave a very good performance in uh, Nefarious... Uh, any other acting performances that really stand out? You've seen more movies than I have this year, right? Yes. I mean, I have one that's going to come to later on. So, What, worst actor? No. Well, I have that too. But I mean, I think you're right. Vivek wins. I, I think you are. I think you made a compelling case on Vivek. Uh, so in that case, let's move on to worst actor. I had LeBron James. Because he did a very bad flop early on in the year. Uh, and like no one touched him, but he's trying to act like he was tripped or pushed or something like that. And the replay clearly shows that he wasn't touched. So he didn't sell the foul hard enough and just not good acting there. I had uh, Rachel Zegler, the actress in the uh, Brown Snow that's going to be coming out later this year. N next and year. Well, or sorry, next year. And obviously she literally tanked an entire Wasn't it, movie. It might have been delayed to 2025, right? Yeah, she tanked an entire movie by running her mouth. Well, they also had Not Real Dwarves. That too. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and there's no dwarves. Oh, do, do we prefer Brown Snow or Snow Brown? But, but she didn't do, give... We don't know what that performance is, so you'd have to judge her based was, on the, the Hunger Games movie that she did. And... Uh, what other movie was she in? I don't even know. But another nomination that maybe should be floated is Aquafina. Like, is she not insufferable? Is she not the worst? I mean, yes, but it's it's not like she's single handed. Well, I mean, she is single handedly dragging down like bad movies. But I don't know. Rachel Zegler made a lot of viral clips and completely tanked and derailed a an ongoing movie that was going to lose Disney like a hundred million dollars or something ridiculous. 
And again, she is literally part of the effort to replace, you know, more or less white culture. All right. I think, I think you've made the compelling case. Uh, LeBron James, no one watches uh regular you know, season, Come regular on. season basketball, but uh, Rachel Zegler, you know, is going to be the reason no one's going to watch snow white. So I think that's uh pretty, and again, it's another, portrayal, it's another portrayal of snow white with a, Evil Queen is like more attractive than the Snow White. Yes, picture. yeah, that, that's pretty odd because you know what's her face is supposed to be threatened by the beauty of Snow White, and that's I mean, it's like Gal literally Gadot. not the case here. Gal Gadot, come on! I mean, again, it was the same way with uh, Charlize Theron over Kristen Stewart. I mean, come now on. Gal Gadot can't act worth you know anything, but uh, she's there for appeal, but. Rachel Zegler may, I don't know if she's a good actress or not, to be honest, but she's winning worst actress, so maybe not. But she did not, you know, know her role so as to shut her hole. Um, she didn't do that. So that that that's called being bad at your job because half of your job is to promote your movie. So I think you made the case there. So now we go into our celebrity athlete, musician, entrepreneur categories. We don't necessarily fill up all these categories but uh, you got any in mind that deserve I mean, laud? Obviously, I think this combined celebrity and entrepreneur would be Elon Musk. I think he was a huge contributor to headlines throughout 2023 in his war with uh, various factions in the elitist in the elitist spheres. That you know, a lot of people just don't understand like how elites operate. So. He's going to war with a lot of these elite factions. Obviously, he's a very much a technocrat that doesn't change, but he's a guy. He's kind of like the a very Caesarian figure, almost like Trump, except he's again a technocratic Caesar. Yeah, and, that's pretty fair. And the amount of headlines that he and news cycles that he dominated with a lot of his antics and his war with the ADL that he kind of you know two steps forward, two steps back is kind of been his whole policy. So he's basically just world war one, you know, fighting. I have, I have him for strip. a different uh, category for sure. But yeah, as far as like celebrity and entrepreneur of the year, he definitely gets that. Um, and I would definitely have him for entrepreneur. I don't really think there's a more compelling celebrity. Uh, you got anything for athlete? I mean, no, but we could do like the Texas Rangers because they obviously they won a World Series. Tyreek Hill is probably the best case for uh, MVP in the NFL. Uh, my opinion, it's definitely not Brock Purdy with what he did uh, the other night. And it's Lamar Jackson didn't really play all that well either. I mean, he played the perfect game that he was given, but you're also given the ball and like the, you know, inside yeah, inside yeah. field goal range. To, to start because of four five interceptions total, but four that were meaningful um, in the game. So uh, if we want, but you're right, Texas Rangers should get it because they didn't do a pride night. They also didn't do a pride night, which is athletes of the year material there. Uh, Texas Rangers. Uh, musician. Yeah, this one I just didn't have. Do we want to give it to the guy oliver anthony no the 15 minutes of fame no ouch um 
It, it's going to be a little bit longer than that, but I do think you're right. I did not decide, go on to listen to any more of his music after the one song. I think a lot of his facade is fake. Uh, and that kind of worries me, to be honest. And I just want to just steer clear of that, to be honest. So uh, we can skip this category entirely. I could, yeah, I look up an obscure metal reference <laughs> and try to <laughs> nominate that and justify it, but probably not the uh, John or, you know, I'm not sure an EVA award is. It's not an EVA category. It, it doesn't yeah. cross pollinate well. So, best politician. I originally had uh, Matt Gates, but I did choose Thomas Massey instead, and that's the late consideration of him taking on the uh, AI PAC establishment and actually being the only politician in Washington that puts America above other nations. What are your thoughts on Greg Abbott? He's bad. Okay. You don't think he's had a good year? Well, I mean, I don't know if he stands up. I don't know if he knows how to stand up for his own people, which is both the double entendre that he's in a wheelchair, but, and his, wow. <laughs> but no, he's not doing anything. I mean, you know, you should have declared a national emergency. You should have declared an emergency. You should be arresting the people. You should be turning them back. You should be even shooting at them if they try to cross again, you know, let, let the state, let the uh, federal government do what they try to do, but just, violate you know if they go to court violate the courts who cares but if you're not willing to yeah i mean i wouldn't care take down my wall and, and again he's in his grande river he's in his third term so i don't i don't want to hear the he had a good year like the he had a good year he should have been doing that for 12 years or i guess nine years well it, it is interesting he is challenging the supreme court case though with his law he's challenging the arizona's you know show me your papers law essentially yeah, they do love to see that. Uh, I thought that was a very good immigration law that was passed by the House and he signed. So maybe he shouldn't get all the credit for that. Um, but Texas is stepping up its game on the illegal immigration issue. It took him a while, but that's one thing about Greg Abbott is he can react to pressure. Well, he a lot of a lot of people something. who are rhinos wouldn't do that. Would Nikki Haley as governor of Texas do that? The answer is clearly no. She'd be lecturing you on. But this is the same Greg Abbott that signed a lot of the other legislation. So, I mean, Greg Abbott's always kind of been a follower and a laggard when it comes to like hitting the top issues. I mean, even on a lot of the gender stuff, he's still. And to be clear, the parentheses under the best politician is it's meant to reward a statesman. We want to actually reward good politicians here, not just make snooty remarks about this guy's a really good politician um, in, a, in a derogatory sense. So I think Thomas Massey has earned it. Um, Again, you know, 500 representatives in the house and he's the only one that actually puts America first. Yeah, love to see that. And he took a lot of heat from that. Uh, so we got worst politician. This one's actually pretty tough. I thought this was obvious. Okay, go. I, Kevin McCarthy. Why did I think his name was Mike when I wrote it down? Uh, Mike, you combine Mike Johnson. Mike McCarthy might be someone else. Um, yeah, explain why. For uh, so this is the guy that, you know, he had a tough battle to get into the speakership. 
then of course he lost the speakership despite you know thinking he had the support of the democrats to prevail which is funny considering like i'm watching house of cards and they actually relate this entire scenario except it's from the democrats perspective that you would use the republicans to vote out the democrat speaker and it's just like no you would so they like you know so a lot of almost predictive programming but yeah i mean he got played by the by the democrats and then of course he's now quitting congress he's not leaving at the end of his term i think he's actually resigning Yes, he's resigning, and now the GOP only holds a two-seat majority. So he is the worst, and you know, I think getting him out of Congress is a victory. Even so, if it's just along those lines, George Santos. Yeah, I mean that. that yeah, he, there's a strong case for George gay Saul Goodman. <laughs> yeah, the gay Saul Goodman. Uh. Uh, okay, so I also had Nancy Mace written down. Governor Bill Lee, I you mean, called a special session to pass gun control in Tennessee. We can circle back to biggest bum right now on Bill Lee. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Bill Lee, biggest bum of the year. There we go. We, I knew we'd come up with it. Bill Lee. Tennessee should be a red state. It's like got a 30-point Trump Trump majority, right? Or something ridiculous. And you even got Daily Wire in your backyard to make your job super easy. And to actually heighten your national profile. But you ain't going to be a vice president now. So that ain't happening. Uh, there we go. He gets big as bum. And I agree, Kevin, Mike, Kevin McCarthy, not Mike McCarthy. I know his name's Kevin, but I wrote down Mike on my notes here for some reason, because I was doing it last night. I also had Nancy Mason, Mike Pence. I mean, Mike Pence was just Mike Pence. I don't know if there was <laughs> yeah, any Mike Pence is pretty bad, though. I mean, that's there was no expectation. He was pretty much a dead on arrival going into the into And he still did bad. Like, how many applause lines? He tried to tell a sex joke. And it still didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I am... Uh... I like to say I've been sleeping with a teacher for 30 years. <laughs> that was the best. It was the cringiest. Um, but yeah, that was Mike Pence for you. Uh, yeah, so Kevin McCarthy wins worst politician. And again, I mean, I let's just completely be, be real with George Santos was going <clears throat> down next year anyway. And again, I unless there's some major improvement in the candidates i mean the gop like how bad does your scandal have to be to get kicked out of congress though which you know i mean circling back to thomas massey he didn't vote to overturn the election in new york like you know a lot of the republicans did because again they don't want to have a majority because easier to be the minority much easier and, now and again george santos to... actually had a decent record despite being a homosexual a drag queen and a liar and you know jewish i mean despite all the scandals he was at least a useful soldier just a, a clown he a was i didn't think his voting record was all that good but... i think it was good because he had all the pressure to be he had all the pressure on him so he voted the right way but yeah he was going to be a one-term congressman that would make him more popular that okay. only got bumped up because of lee zeldin uh activists of the year well, I think this one was pretty obvious. Who did you have? Dusty Devers. 
You went from activist and now you the state senator in Oklahoma. And you're going to bring the legislation you've been talking about to the floor of the Oklahoma Senate. Like that's activist of the year material there. And he's like the, you know, the, the state senator that's carrying the banner of Christian nationalism. So you, you love to see that. Is there anyone that's going to top Dusty Devers on this? I mean, I had the Anti-Defamation League for their ability to control media and big corporations and the fact that they're waging a war with Elon Musk. But that's not good. This yeah, is they're not. Benevolent. It's not a good activist. It's just a why can't we do that activist? All right. Um, so Dusty I'll give Beavers, it, I'll agree with Dusty to send a more positive. Yeah, this, this was a positive award. This is not a negative award. This is the negative award. LARPer of the year. So you think you're an, people think you're an activist, but you're really not. Um, this one, I had a previous award winner. Uh, who do you have for LARP? I conservative Baptist network. That I had James that. Lindsay. Which is complete with the uh, big long Chinese sword. I mean, I would argue Japanese anime. The CBN, know. given their abysmal performance in the yes, no, they've been irrelevant year. all year. They, they've been irrelevant all year. Um, I called them a LARP last year. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think that them being a LARP is new, but James Lindsay, I think, it, yeah, the dude's a LARPer. Don't do anything. There's going to be. Uh, a, a transgender George Floyd in the month of June. Watch out. You've got to tone down your rhetoric because this is going to happen. It doesn't happen. Oh, because, you know, the whole, you know, if we try to do something, then that means things are going to be a lot worse, which, you know, how, how does it get worse than the fact that California is going to be taking children away from their parents or the fact that, you know, like, someone had to sue in order to adopt a child. I yeah. believe it was in California because they didn't want Christians adopting children. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. pretty bad. So I think James Lindsay clearly wins because it's like, don't do anything. And he does the cosplay with the sword. Definition of LARP. Hack of the year. Now, this one I thought of very late in the game. So I had Tim Pool and Jenna Ellis. So here's my reasoning uh, behind Tim Pool. His fake indignation against Ron DeSantis and his campaign. Like, I can't stomach their actions. They're so dirty and liars. And then you're a Trump hack. And like Laura Loomer, anyone who, you know, said that Casey DeSantis faked uh, cancer and that Ron tried to kill his sister or something like that. All these lies that come out of like, you know, Laura Loomer and the Brandon Dilly crowd. Um, now that guy's also a LARPer. Um, Brandon Dilly ran for Congress once. Now, to most people don't know that. So Trump's meme lord ran for Congress once. Guess how he did? Poor, didn't even win the primary. He came in eleventh place in a primary. Crowd of field. <laughs> Out of twelve. So, yeah, that, that's this guy's appeal. Um, and he ran on QAnon and stuff. Just now, like to bolster the case for Tim Pool. Uh, um, oh, you got more. Oh, there is a theory out there that I heard that he, 
he's getting money under the table through his super chats because he'll have these massive super chat in in like I, I, I totally believe that because Tucker Carlson, and that's just bribery. Tucker so Carlson has bought out. He's he did a seven figures deal with Public Square or Public SQ, which is in, in an, a company that Donald Trump Jr. invested in. Uh, the Post Millennial was bought by a company that, again, Donald Trump Jr. is also invested in, I think, or a Trump mega donor. I'm not sure which one on that one, but they were bought out um, by, again, Trump's people. So Trump is buying up, uh, Team Trump is buying up conservative media. And even though Tim Pool isn't remotely conservative, um, he is that reasonable centrist, and you're using that to attack DeSantis is an interesting tactic, but you're basically saying it's the super chat army. Yeah, I mean, it's basically how Walter White laundered his money, except it's in the uh, chats. Yeah, in the uh, crowdfunding. No, I can't say I verified this, but I did hear it on uh, another stream from another streamer that, you know, if you look at the dollar amounts in his streams, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, $500 super chat with no words. It's like a pay. That's, you know, looks like a payoff. It smells like a payoff. How, how else Certainly feels you, nice. How do you uh, launder a bribe or money? I mean, you just use a super chat. So you like the Tim Pool nomination? I mean, I I actually had Jeremy Boring for the contractual uh, capitulation to big tech. This would be with the Steven Crowder drama. Also with his uh, chocolate. Yeah, but chair. he's kind of been, I don't want to say he's kind of been vindicated in that. But Steven Crowder is definitely. From a business position, yes. I mean, I think Glenn Beck is more vindicated by not resigning Crowder. But yeah, Glenn Beck just completely, or not Glenn Beck, because he doesn't actually run the Blaze. Well, um, but Gaston, Gaston Mooney, I think, you know, the Blaze dodged a major bullet by not resigning, uh, not resigning uh, Stephen Crowder, and not wanting to re up that contract, which was probably going to be super expensive. He was going to get like, he he probably wanted like uh, Shonai Atani numbers. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, Blaze wisely said, "No, you're overpaid. And you're a declining product." But with Jeremy Boring, I mean, he obviously the chocolate grift as well of selling private label chocolate to oh, that, this get is back the wrong at Hershey. For that. And then, of course, you have him bashing uh, Ben Sizeloff for writing an article about. I mean, York. I think Tim Pool wins over Jeremy Boring. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I even helped you with your argument on Tim Pool, but. Uh, what about Jenna Ellis? I mean, I had her for like grifter or hack. I mean, just because you essentially defrauded people for $200,000 for a case that you capitulated on. So, I mean, the argument is kind of there. It's just whether it's the biggest. Yeah. Okay. Tim pool wins. All right. Rookie of the year. This one, I had Ben's eyes off. Just because I don't think he is really a rookie, I mean, him right. on his own, uh, being his own, he's name. not necessarily on his own, though. He was hired by an existing company. Now, this company didn't really have the web traffic that would denote paying a massive, you know, former Daily Wire staffer and recruiting him. Like, so they probably have some venture capital investment, which is not a bad thing, or maybe angel investment might be a better way to put it, but. They brought him in to build that company up. 
But yeah, he, he's doing it. But he, he as an individual has a brand, and as and also you could say the Sentinel has a brand as well. And that uh, would be a major development so, in the last year. So I had CJ Stroud. I went sports here. Uh rookie of the year. He's clearly because it's hard to define whether people are rookies of the year. So I also had Ryan Turnipseed and Oliver Anthony. I've again I, I've been that, writing but... these down, you know, as the year goes on. So I think CJ Stroud is definitely the rookie of the year. Uh, so that's just my opinion. He's definitely the most definable rookie. Uh, you know, at a, you know, compared to Ben Zizloff. Uh, we also have Keith Woods. Remind me that. Whoa, we can get X chat. Wow. Wow. I didn't know we could get chat from X. Or Twitter. I like Keith Woods. I mean, I've listened to him on Elijah Schaefer's. Uh, oh, that—that's who that is. Okay, okay. Uh, this I, is I don't I'm have on. the compelling case. I'll like, and I'm not sure how new to the scene he is. Yeah, that's the hard part, which is why I think sports is the safest way to not insult people. So I'm going to go with C.J. Stroud. Uh, uh, comeback of the year. I think this one's pretty obvious. But... Yeah. Who do you have? I had Who'd two. You miss? I had uh, two things down. I had Anabaptism for the comeback because of the anti-Christian nationalist crowd is just rehashing Anabaptist arguments from the 1500s. And then I also put Alex Jones because he did have a kind of a resurgence, a little renaissance of Alex Jones that he's now acceptable to talk about in even more mainstream channels. Obviously, he got restored to Twitter. Uh, via a Elon Musk poll. So I do think, you know. So we can't underestimate that because Elon Musk swore that he would not reinstate Alex Jones, but how the turntables. Yeah. The tables. Uh, I don't think he's really made necessarily much of a a good comeback because he did lose some lawsuits this year, um, which sucks for him. But honestly, you know, there's no reason for him to pay any of that. I wouldn't give those people a dime. Uh, uh, Keith Woods says Putin. Here's I don't think it was thing. a combat. I mean, he might not be in great health, but the dude had a mercenary strike and, you know, dealt with that. Like, whoa. And, he, you know, props to the president of Belarus for helping him out with that and negotiating a peace, but... Uh, as far as the war in Ukraine goes, I wouldn't say that Russia is coming back. I just think it's been a, a an attrition the entire time. And now Ukraine has a bunch of 40-year-olds on the front lines. I mean, so, Russia has – I mean, Putin already did make Russia come back from the dead of Boris Yeltsin. So, I mean, that, so we're a little late to be calling the comeback of Vladimir Putin. Or Russia in general. Uh, so – the obvious answer is Mark Driscoll. The dude had, like, last year was all about the rise and fall of Mars Hill, rise and fall of Mars Hill. This year, it's like Mark Driscoll has pretty much reestablished himself as a a pretty influential voice in evangelicalism. I just don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, for better um, his, or worse. Better, for better or worse, I don't think Mark Driscoll is a false teacher personally. I do think he has some issues with his theology. And I think a lot of those issues were, are in reaction to cessationism. And that's why his arguments are 
very bad in that debate. So just my thought on that. But so I think he's a clown on that issue. I think he's a clown on that debate, but that's also a tertiary issue in my mind. Um, whether someone's a cessationist or a continuationist is tertiary. He's not exactly doing the whole we're doing speaking in tongues and worship services nonsense. But he is sort of partnering with people who do. I don't like the you know some of the stuff that he's done, but he's also come back in a way for good messaging. Uh, his Elijah sermon series was not bad at all. I thought there's only one, a couple issues and that's over the course of like seven sermons. So he he's definitely made a comeback in prominence. That's undeniable. And I think he has the comeback of the year and I hope it's for good and not evil. Uh, false teachers get worse over time, not better. So we'll see. Uh, That's my runner, good. my runner up was James Merritt, who was basically disgraced in the Southern Baptist convention for caping up for his gay son. Uh, and he was the guy who read the, the motion on the floor of the Southern Baptist convention with the five presidents. They had him do the reading. So that must be a comeback. He's back now. But let's be real. It's not the same size or scope. Yeah, I mean. So Mark Driscoll clearly wins that. I didn't think you were going to come up with a better one than that, by the way. Uh, so now we got some categories to fill up. Uh, best movie. Uh, I had Guy Ritchie's The Covenant as far as a good, a good action movie. Obviously, I mean, it's not as it's certainly not as vulgar as anything Guy Ritchie's notoriously known for, but it is a good action movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal. And again, if you want something that also has a very conservative message to it, because it is about the pullout. It is a rebuke of the pullout of Afghanistan that happened under Joe Biden's watch. So it does have a little bit of a conservative bent to it while being an excellent movie, well acted. And the Gospel that- Coalition got crap for sing this movie's praises by the way which which i think were too harsh on. but when you're going after doug wilson for language you open yourself up for that yeah i mean again i have no problem saying that this is a good movie that people should watch it and again i'm not going to say oh it's i have yet to see this mess- movie by the way it's got a gospel message hidden underneath the certain i'm not going to you know go out of my way to argue that but. we're art critics now uh but yeah so Guy Ritchie's a covenant. I'm going to defer to you because I don't think I've seen a better. And I'm a Guy Ritchie fan as a director. I think he's one of the uh, directors. Like seriously, this has been a movie. This has been a year where there's a lot of good uh, mid-level movies, a lot of really bad blockbuster movies, but no like you know your traditional good Oscar bait movie that doesn't that hasn't really happened this year. Now maybe Ferrari is that. Um, haven't seen that yet. Haven't even seen any reviews about it, but maybe Ferrari is that movie, but this has been a year of some really bad movies, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, any best TV show? I mean, I went with succession. I'm just basing that site and scene. I mean, I just take the, I'll take the word of certain critics. I follow that. I do trust that, you know, this is a good show and, Obviously, it's a little bit of a satire. It's almost like HBO's response to Billions, except it's better than Billions. 
And because Billions had to go super woke. Yeah, they right? went woke in season three. Now, I hear Succession has a bad season in it, but... I haven't heard of that, but... I heard the last season's not that. And uh, we are rewarding, you know, current performances, what's being rewarded here. Yeah, I mean, I'm going a little bit sight unseen because it's the only thing that came out this year that I actually do want to see that actually was made this year. So Black Mirror came out with its sixth season, which had some really good content in it, but it also had some questionable content in it. I don't think what it did was worthy. So we're going to give Succession the award uh go ahead book any best book nominees yeah this one i didn't have because i'm I gonna go I with mean, andrew isker's book i mean the only uh, book I, option that i've read from this year i'm currently reading and you'll get a review on that sometime probably in the next two weeks all right uh what book is that that is the mark dice book the war okay. on conservatives That'll be interesting because he's kind of an interesting guy. Uh, do we have a best video game? I do not. Uh, yeah, I, don't I do that. not believe Crusader Kings 3 came out in 2023. Now, I will double check that. It did come out on Xbox in 2023. Uh, but l let me double check that before we give this an award. Uh, so moving on to worst. Uh, worst movie. That's a tough topic. There's this been one, a lot of really bad movies this year. I almost put it up for a poll, but I feel like this needed a lot of discussion. I actually did Blue Beetle because I think it encapsulates everything that's wrong with all the other movies that might be worst movie of the year, except it has zero redeeming qualities as a movie. The acting is also poor across the board. So it's not even like there's a good performance in the mix that okay, maybe uh, shines a little bit brighter in a dark spot. It's just 100% bad. Fact check is in Crusader Kings 3 came out on, I guess, in its original platform on in 2020, but it did become available on Xbox in 2023. So that's where I play it because I don't I'm not a PC gamer. Um, so you're saying Blue Beetle. That was on my list of worst. Let me tell you how much I hated that movie a lot. Like imagine Ant-Man, but even worse. Ant-Man is a bad movie. It is a bad Marvel movie. Yeah, bad. Horrible you you just took Iron Man and took out all the good parts of Iron Man, uh, and you're left with that. Now take do that same thing to Blue Beetle or to Ant Man. And you got Blue Beetle. It's the woke, insufferable version of Blue of Ant Man, which is already not a good movie. Uh, I actually think Ant Man and the Wasp is better than Ant Man because I hated the villain in Ant Man. It's a it's a stupid villain, and they did the same stupid villain in uh in Blue Beetle, except tragic backstory and, and stuff like that. I, I hate I don't like origin stories for superheroes in movies a whole lot. Like I, I don't like them a whole lot. They they're generally not their best movie. Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire is an exception. No, so Spider-Man 2 is Batman. That's what a lot of people say. Um but it's still really good. Uh, Batman Begins is pretty good, but clearly better surpassed by The Dark Knight. Um, undeniable. So a lot of times sequels in superheroes movies tend to be better because origin stories just aren't that, you know, I don't, I don't really like origin stories in general. The villains aren't always good. Now, Iron Man was able to do this because it had Robert Downey Jr. 
If you had another actor in there, it would have been terrible. Because the villain also sucked in Iron Man. And then they use that same template for all the other Marvel origin movies like Ant-Man and now Blue Beetle. So when DC tries to make a Marvel movie, it just always ends up bad. Make your own movies, use your own storylines, and you do much better. And Quantumanium was bad, but obviously you can Quantumanium, yes, let's talk about Ant-Man 3. You could at least say, hey, uh, Michael Douglas is a good actor. You could Michelle at least say Pfeiffer's that. a good actor. Yeah, or, you, could, you, said, you could compliment her performance, even though they kind of cuck uh, Douglas in the film. But you could at least say there's some good acting in the movie, even if the even though the actors. It wasn't done by Paul Rudd, though. Paul I mean, Rudd just isn't funny as Ant Man. That's a real shock to me, actually. Like when I watched Ant Man one, he wasn't funny. He was actually funnier in Ant Man two. And then in Ant-Man 3, he's back to not being funny again. So Ant-Man 3 is definitely on the list. Indiana Jones 5 is also the movie that needs to be talked about for this. I don't. I think Indiana Jones is one of the most overrated franchises in general. You have one good movie, and that's Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That is a good movie. It is not a great movie. Indiana Jones 2, uh, was it Temple of Doom, is bad. I'm not going to pretend like that's a good movie at all. Um, and then Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is okay. It's a, I wouldn't really call it a good movie. It's certainly not a great movie. Uh, and the intro to that movie sucks. It's too long. Uh, the prologue is too long. It's morally pretentious. Give me Fast and Furious. That is a much better franchise than Indiana Jones. That is my hot take. Um, Indiana Jones and Fast and Furious are the same franchise, just in a different decade, different theme. One is archaeology. The other is cars and mechanics. Um, they both have heist. They both have criminal actors as main characters because Indiana Jones is a thief, by the way. Um, he's just stealing from people that we have, you know, that the audience is told are bad. But he is a thief. Nonetheless, he has no problem stealing people's cars and you know chasing people down with them in ultimate moves that have no impact on what happens in the plot. Like you take Indiana Jones out of the first movie and the same thing happens. The Nazis get the arc and they all die. Same thing happens. Um, but Crystal Skull is yet another, or not Crystal Skull, Dial of Destiny is yet another Indiana Jones movie. I've not actually seen Crystal Skull. I've heard very bad things about it. Dial of Destiny is an Indiana Jones movie where he's the only thing that allows the bad guys to accomplish their mission. And when they accomplish their mission, it has no impact on anything. So you take him out, nothing happens. Because again, the story has no stakes in it at all. At the end of the day, that's a I mean, spoiler a, alert, by the It way. was ridiculous. and they got, again, It also it's... violated its own time travel rules because this is a movie that clearly has um, what happened, happened view of the past. Like, you can't actually change the past. If you went back in time, you were always back in time. It's basically Star Trek if you warped around the sun at warp 10. That was the time travel rules for... Uh, Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. But 
the movie tried to tell you that it was butterfly effect that if indiana jones wanted to stay in the past he would have changed the outcome of the past and no you already told us that that's not how you already showed us that that's not how the rules worked because indiana jones's watch or the nazi's watch was on archimedes body or whatever i'm I'm totally not caring that I'm spoiling this really bad movie, um, but it violated. It doesn't even understand its own time travel. I mean, it's movie. a ridiculous movie, but it is kind of like okay, this is the normal ridiculous because this is the exact same thing they do with the Star Wars franchise. So it's bad, but we've already seen it bad. Like it's almost we've like already seen it bad with Blue Beetle, though. Yeah, but that had no redeeming qualities in it. It would be my George favorite. Lopez. No. <laughs> What was the redeeming quality in Indiana Jones 5? I'm trying to think. It might have been shorter. Um, it was two and a half hours. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty long too. Um, it felt long. Blue Beetle was not as long. Blue Beetle was under two hours, right? Right. Probably because the studio probably capped it. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to give it to Dial Destiny, that's fine. Yeah, let me look up the length. 122 minutes, really? No, no. Dial Destiny is clearly worse than that because I had to suffer through that longer. Um, clearly. Um, so Dial of Destiny will take the cake. And I fell asleep watching Iron Ant-Man 3, uh, but I woke up and didn't miss anything. So that movie sucked. Um, do we have a worse TV show? I put uh, Witcher 3. It might not even be the worst TV show that came out this year, but obviously, like, you know, it's Henry Cavill's last time putting on the Witcher costume, and they absolutely did everything they could to just make it look like crap. And, I mean, you have mages that are fat and ugly. They race swap every character they possibly can. Like, mages are supposed to be good-looking, and they're fat. You have fat mages. So, and the fact that you know most of what they were doing is not really in the book or when they are doing it in the book then they're completely taking it out of context and obviously a lot of people are upset with like the i mean the way they did the horse episode i mean the idea of being in a desert like being in a survivalist situation has made for some of the best episodes in television history when you're looking at uh, pine barons, pine barons and, uh, on sopranos. sopranos you have Breaking, right, I, I, so I gotta back share to my, their version. Okay, yeah, uh, he killed sixteen Czechoslovakians. The guy's an interior decorator. <laughs> Love that quote. Yes, that is the best. Like, and again, that episode was Pine Barrens is directed by Steve Buscemi. Fun fact, but but I mean, uh, it was. Uh, we have a nomination for Amazon's Lord of the Rings prequel. Did that come out that one last year? We yeah, that, last we gave. Yeah, that one last year. So the rules are, are 2023. Making, they are making a second season of that. So this worry. isn't the Grammys, which, you know, they, they fudge the album of the year and stuff like that. They also I mean, give like new, best new artist to someone who's like on their third album or something. And uh, for even something that they did that was book accurate, which was like Siri going through the desert. I mean, obviously, if it's on Breaking Bad or if it's in The Sopranos, it looks better because it's actually in a real life setting. Like with Sopranos, Pine Barrens, they didn't actually plan to have snow when they filmed it. And the fact that they had snow made it like, wow. And obviously in Breaking Bad, you can go to the desert in New Mexico quite easily. 
So the fact that they're just doing it in green screen of what's supposed to be like the Sahara Desert, it just, I mean, at least they had a real horse. So there's also Velma, which was universally hated. And there's The Chosen, which had season three come out this year. So do we want to reconsider? I don't think The Chosen could be more insufferable than... Have you tried watching grown men talk about feelings for 50 minutes? Have you had to suffer through that in The Witcher? I had to suffer. I mean, maybe. They turned Yaskir into Yasqueer, okay? I had to suffer that. I had to suffer men talking about their feelings in a homosexual context. Because they turned the character gay. Wow, that's that's pretty bad. With the with the character that's actually now to be fair, I'm only in season two of the shows, and I've not gotten to season three, which is this year. But like the character, the character is supposed to be a child in the book, so that's like I'm I'm not here for watching grown men talk about feelings for fifty minutes. So we'll give The Witcher three because you've seen it. Uh, And do we have a worst book? I don't Uh, think we do. Uh, and do we have a worst video game? I also don't think we do. I put Hogwarts Legacy down because the gameplay in that is was exceedingly poor to the fact that people were raving about being able to play a Hogwarts game on a PC and the gameplay looked like crap. The fact that you can just spam uh, dark magic spells. Yeah, I mean, the morality of having... Septum Sanctra or whatever that spell was. I think that. that one, but the morality of just having people use all the dark, the uh, forbidding curses... And then you can transfigure yourself into transgenderism, I guess. Like, that was also a thing in the uh, game. Uh, I don't recall that part. But, yeah, just the gameplay itself looked exceedingly bad. I think there's – I don't even think it had that much play time to beat the game. And, again, the combat style was very easy. I mean, it, uh, like the South Park video game – Wait, so you're saying the Gollum game should win worst game, uh, Charles? We're open for nominations on the floor. After all, we serve the people. Um, even when the people are wrong, like saying, I don't think uh, Elden, Elden Ring was best well, from this year, though. But I mean, play I, hit of the year maybe should have gone to Nathaniel Jolly. I'm just kind of saying, but y- y'all said Owen Strand. Uh, so Gollum game, I have heard bad game. things about the Gollum game. I All right, let's give it the award. I trust Charles. Um, meme of the year, yeah, I don't have anything for this one, but I mean. You know, there, there's the whole... This witch. is a hard year, because we had the Megan Hall meme. Do you remember that? Oh, I feel like we need a meme review for the year to... Megan Hall was the uh, police officer in Tennessee. Oh, it was... Yeah. We had the uh, the submarine incident. Yeah, submarine. Where, that the submarine imploded. I'm trying to think of memes throughout the year, but... We had a lot of Christian nationalist memes that were dank. That a lot of true. Sopranos memes. Like, Sopranos memes made a huge rise this year. I'm going to obviously take a little bit of credit for that. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of Sopranos memes this year. Uh, the Why Are You Gay meme is definitely... Uh, I don't think that originated this year. Uh, it's really hard to give it one meme a year uh, this year of... You know, I, I I don't know how many good memes there were because there was a lot, but was there one to rule them all? Was there a template or anything that ruled them all? And I'm I mean, not really sure. Sh- are we really? Because I don't want to be grifty and say, oh, the Trump mugshot meme, because that really didn't last. 
Well, I mean, you Trump mugshot meme now, you're kind of looking a little lame. There is the which way, like, or like Christian nationalism gooder than trans and kids meme. Like, I think that might encapsulate a lot of the. You're right. Of Christian nationalism gooder than trans and kids. I like that. Uh, ah, the black, black female pilots meme. <laughs> they the crash plane right they crashed a plane into the into the water because they you know di- the diversity hires which you know shout out to john harris and his live stream with stephen wolf they actually alluded to the competency crisis was that and, the uh the most recent one no it was the I, hour 50 minute one yeah that was a recent one well For but, him. <laughs> but yeah they actually alluded to the competency crisis and that was a good image of what competency crisis is and that's also embodied in the the pilot the f-35 pilot or whatever that ejected over the over the ocean and the plane kept going and they lost and the u.s military lost the plane wow is john mccain a pilot again so yeah competency crisis is real um all right i'm, I'm still gonna go with the christian nationalism gooder than trans and kids the black female pilots was an excellent meme but it didn't last like as far as like the lasting power of that meme goes i don't know if it tops that i'm really glad that we get some chat from twitter now like that that's a new feature um it wasn't like that uh npc of the year i had michael brown that stands for non-player character uh no that's wrong that's a wrong answer uh the correct answer is Travis Kelsey. Fair enough. You got you're dating me. Taylor Swift. You're now the poster child for Bud Light. And now you're the poster child for Pfizer. You are an NPC. So it's clearly Travis Kelsey. I really thought you had someone better for this. Or I thought we were on the same page. Like, it's obviously Travis Kelsey. Like, triple whammy here. I was light on the sports, so that's why. Well, I was heavier on sports, but triple whammy. Taylor Swift. Pfizer. Bud Light. I mean, I just did Michael Brown because it's like you could predict what he's going to say on any given issue. Maybe. It's like an NPC. This is not as NPC right now. And he's also getting Travis Kelsey's also getting kind of fat, apparently. His game is worsened as a result of either the Pfizer or the Taylor Swift or the Bud Light. Uh, and the Chiefs are kind of cursed right now. You love to see that though. You want a Super Bowl off a bad call, and uh, here we are. Uh, they're they're kind of they're starting to get equal treatment, and you love to see that. Uh, let's see, Mangina of the year for that guy who's so effeminate. This is a very tough category so, uh, for me. I had two. I have two um, nominees as well. So the first one is Anthony Bass, who's the Toronto Blue Jays pitcher who caved on the gay issue, and then he got cut uh, not too what's, long after. Uh, what's his name? Anthony Bass, like the fish. Okay. And then the other would be Blake Clawson, who wrote the gay Taylor Swift article at the Gospel Coalition. That is a very good nomination, but I'm going to overrule the Blake Lawson because of something that's coming up. Um, Because I have a surprise award that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Mike Keabone and Brent Leatherwood. 
Mike Keabones, the crybaby on the stage of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, yep. Brent Leatherwood might have also cried at the Southern Baptist Convention, but has been leading the charge to suppress the Tranifesto, and he's shed some tears in that as well. Um, so crocodile just, tears for the Tranifesto is... I'm not sure they're fake, but... Uh, but does that win over a pitcher? Yes. Really? What about not Glosson, though? To this audience? Uh, no, Glosson's got a separate award coming. Oh, Glosson's got a separate award. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Brent Leatherwood. The dude has nothing tonight, but he's got to get this, right? Uh, okay, so backup 2023 says, Travis Kelsey has a song come with his name on it coming his way here's the reason why that's not true though is taylor swift isn't really singing about that anymore that used to be true that used to be a perk of dating taylor swift you get a song that's not really true anymore at least that used to be true but her music's even worse now than it was when it was about that my opinion uh and i don't think that's a reason to date taylor swift Whew. Uh, you just now, what is it? Tyree Kill allegedly has uh has had three babies this year with three different women and then married someone else. So, a good year for him, I guess. Uh, he was you know athlete of the year potential for that reason, but not for that reason. But uh, then Travis Kelsey is dating Taylor Swift, like, all right. Weird days for athletes, but he's NPC, clearly. Uh, so Brent Leatherwood gets the Mangina of the Year. We have our inaugural Fake and Gay Award. This goes to Blake Glosson for writing the Taylor Swift article at the Gospel Coalition. Now, Fake and Gay is an acronym, can be shortened into an acronym, by the way, and that completely encapsulates Blake Glosson. So no one really knew who he was before this article, and but here he is. Yeah, I mean it was too fake, fake and gay. It was too fake and gay for the gospel could have listened to publish. No, it was so fake and gay that they did publish well, it. Well, they rescinded it. I should no, say. that was Joshua Butler's article. No, didn't he also get it? They were they swiftly removed the Swift article. Oh, you're right. They did. They did. I did write that headline. Uh, and then we have the Chad of the Year. We're on our last few awards here. Chad of the Year. Uh, Tucker Carlson. I'm going to disagree. I mean, you're, I think you're, globe tro- you're globe trotting. Uh, you're doing whatever you want. You have I think he's also money. kind of bought and paid for. Fair um, enough, but he's got a few money and he's not afraid to say it. Uh, but you're also platforming or you're basically running cover for what's his face. Andrew Tate. When, how did he not win an award this year? I mean, he had a couple moments, but obviously with his legal problems, he hasn't been as prevalent. That dude's going to be found guilty real quick. Maybe not real quick, but it's a kind of a slam dunk case, given the definition of human trafficking in Romania. Uh, We also, so I, I put Sovereign Bra, who's been one of the dudes featured on the whatever podcast. The dude's a dude looks like a Chad, acts like a Chad, tells women that they're in sin level of Chad. 
like does Tucker Carlson, you know, t- you know, tell OnlyFans hoes the gospel? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's pretty cool. Uh, and obviously, we should have probably had more more on the whatever podcast, given how how meteoric their rise has been, and certainly their prominence, because that's just that's the new libs of TikTok. It's just watching OnlyFans girls justify their lifestyle while getting put the, the smackdown put on them by a dude that just remotely knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so now we have the loser of the year. I might have put this up for a poll. So I got to circle back and double check my uh, polls here. I believe this one might have been put up for popular sovereignty. I mean, Disney would be my choice. And it's the only one that came to mind given their box office uh, lack of box office success and all the failures they've had, obviously as a brand they've tarnished uh, perhaps permanently. So, Here's the thing. Disney is the winner. It was a close race. Disney has won. Uh, So Disney is the winner over Bud Light. So this really comes down to Disney versus Bud Light. And I think the reasons are obvious. Bud Light had the most successful conservative boycott launched against them. However, they did pay, what was it, $20 million? Yeah, for Dana White. And now Mm. Dana White and Tucker Carlton. Was it Tucker Carlson or no? And now it's Dana White is singing his praises. Uh, and someone else, Donald Trump Jr. was also defending him the entire time. So the Trump grift really caped up for Doug, uh, for Bud Light at the end of the day, which mitigates their loserishness in 2023. In yeah, I mean, they, they saved off a lot of their losses. Or maybe they've you know bottomed out versus Disney. Where Disney's Disney, they fired their CEO in the middle of the night on a Sunday. Yeah, and then they brought back the guy that was responsible for crashing the company. I, I think Disney's but, clearly loser of the year. Yeah, and again, Disney. I mean, I mean, the sad part is that Disney might just end up being bought out by a, like an Apple. And that means that they can do what they're doing in perpetuity because they cannot keep doing what they're doing in perpetuity. Yeah, not uh, under their current structure. Now, Amazon, you know, they do this for fun. Like they do content as a side project. Like they're not in it. They're not doing this for the money. And it's hard for Disney to compete with that because they are doing this for the money. And they just re- they're just really bad at it, and it's because of all the you know the woke nonsense that they let in. Now, I want to posit a theory: CGI was better ten years ago, or in twenty two thousand nine was probably peak year for CGI. CGI was better then because now CGI the people who make CGI are you know it's basically diversity hires now. What do you think of that theory? And that's why I mean, CGI think, is worse now. I do it's think the hiring, the hiring does hurt it. Um, obviously, maybe overuse because I think Marvel did like green screen plus CGI versus just C- CGI. So I think there, there's that element there too. Okay, I don't want to get bogged down in that theory, um, but uh, clearly it's just a thought of why CGI is worse now than it was 15 years ago. 
Um, winner of the year. This is our last category. I had uh, Vladimir Putin, and this is your he consolidated gains in Ukraine. You whacked the dissident general, and you defeated the petrodollar through BRICS, which you know not even Saddam Hussein or Muammar Gaddafi could do because we removed him from office. So Vladimir Putin did what you know others before him could not do and has withstood opposition. He re- he got Bakhmut retaken. They're about to take Avdiivka. Uh, they're venomous and circled that the or, Ukrainian off- counter offensive failed miserably. Or we could believe Nikki Haley in saying that he wanted Hamas to attack Israel to distract from his, you know, failures in Ukraine. Yeah, while they're actively, they actively have the initiative and had before October seven, um, because the counter offensive failed all summer long, but. I don't necessarily think he might be the winner of the year. Maybe 2024 might be his year. Well, I mean, I Elon Musk is the winner of the year. I mean, I'm, I thought of that too. I mean, because I looked at this. He as- bought Twitter. He's actually made it more free than now than when he started. Now, Twitter still has its issues, but, uh, and then he renamed it, which is horrendous. Well, I mean, his uh, X thing is his fantasy yeah but i i think elon musk is clearly the winner of the year like i mean i went with defeated the adl oh yes and no i mean the war's still ongoing but as far as the advertiser war i think he's won that but we'll see i mean again i had i was in between putin and musk and because those are who should have won time person of the year or man of the year because it's always going to be a man. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I think your argument for Putin's very compelling. Like the dude masterfully stroked a a mercenary. Uh, I mean, that's some gangster behavior. That's mobster. And you know, I'm not I mean, gonna... you didn't realize this type of thing I must toppled Alexander the Great. You know, everyone has a mutiny, you know, has to deal with a mutiny at one point in time. But at the end of the day, he's winning the war of attrition. And I think back up uh, 2023 points that out. You don't want to fight a war of attrition against Russia. They have a larger population. He could end up getting a lot more than he initially sought in this war. If I were Putin, I wouldn't settle for my initial offer. That offer's off the table. You're taking everything now. Yeah, I'm not I'm negotiating. Not the whole thing. You don't negotiate what's already yours. To, you, know, you don't negotiate. Any- you don't take the deal now when you've shed a lot of blood already you don't take the deal you don't take the, your starting position now after all those people died yeah because all you wanted was demilitarization you gave uh, ukraine a pretty good opening offer that was good for both nations and then now they said no to that they wanted to do all this you, you got to take it off so uh so that that opening offers off the table, but we might have that might come to fruition in twenty twenty four, I think, because back, winning Bakhmut was a pretty big deal, and thwarting the Ukrainian counteroffensive is a pretty big deal, uh, and the petrodollar has yet to be realized as well, or the the brick currency that is yet. Yeah, to I mean be the realized. U.S. dollar having a collapse, which again could actually. But the stage is set for him to be you know tomorrow's winner but 
He hasn't won yet. He's up, though. He is up. But I think Elon Musk, he's definitely won the war with the people. He even re reestablished uh, Alex Jones. So, that's I mean, weird. yeah, he is a, certainly a populist, a technocratic Caesar. A technocratic Caesar. But that is basically all of our Evo Awards. Thank you all for joining us on the Evos. Uh like I said, if you like this live stream, subscribe to the channel. Also, if you're new, don't forget to hit the like button. But have a blessed rest of the year, and we will catch you on the next one, which will most likely be next year.